welcome to the Film Ireland podcast. I'm Gemma Cray and I'm chatting with Sean Branagh, the director of Fosca. Thank you so much for chatting with us. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm delighted. So you have a beautiful, tense, sad, happy coming of age drama but I think our protagonist is, is a little bit older can you give us a little bit about the story just in case anyone hasn't seen it sure well it's based on Don Ryan's The Thing About December except uh, in our adaptation we moved the story from rural Tipperary to Connemara where, where I grew up because the film is Asgrega um, yeah I think you described it well there a delayed coming of age story um, there's there are a lot of People like our main character, John Cunliffe, where I'm from anyway. It's, it's, it's kind of a rural thing, perhaps, but uh, these men, and they're typically men, who have led a really cosseted, sheltered life and uh, basically lived with their parents all their lives. And that might be fine to a certain extent for a while, but the cycle of life uh, goes on and uh, parents pass on. And uh, men like John in their 30s and find that They've had no relationships, don't know how to communicate all that well, don't know how to take care of themselves. And this is a story of John, an introvert like John. Like a very powerful performance as well. You've, it's very, um, you do a great job as a director in, in wordlessly getting, like there's, there's so much kind of uh, emotion and very little dialogue. Even the dialogue is in Irish, but you can nearly watch it and not and know what's happening if there were no subtitles. So just tell me a little bit about the writing. I'll, I'll go in order. I heard there was 15 drafts of the script. There were 15 drafts of the script. Yeah. A lot of drafts. Um, <laughs> a lot of drafts. And uh, that was quite the experience. But um, not only did we write drafts, we kind of workshopped a lot of the scenes. So subsequent drafts were needed after workshopping the scenes. So I think by drafts seven or eight, we had cast the film and fair play to Paddy Hayes, our producer, he set aside some time whereby we could rehearse and workshop the scenes. And I, I love the, the Mike Lee approach whereby you can kind of uh, let the actors take ownership of their histories and their stories and they interrogate their characters. And with that spirit in mind, we, we kind of um, opened up a few of the scenes and created new scenes basically in these workshops which I filmed and uh, then I could rewrite another draft um, based on what we found in the rehearsals so that added to the 15 drafts I guess. Excellent so tell me the it started off it's an adaptation right so so did you would you be consulting Donald Ryan when you're doing did you just guys clear the rights and said we're going to take our own do our own version of this story yeah somewhere in between maybe um yeah we, we had the rights and um of course you know Donald Ryan's novel is, is is over 200 pages long and we knew we wanted to bring the film in in, in about 90 minutes or so so certain things had to go and it's such an internal novel it's all of John's thoughts and that's a little more difficult to film um, so uh, we diverged a little bit from, from, from the novel, but stayed in touch with Donald and provided him with copies of drafts and whatnot. And once we began filming, we kept him up to speed as well. And uh, he was fantastic. He, he loved it. 
Um, I would say it certainly has the sentiment and most of the themes of the novel, but uh, the plot diverges in the third act a little bit. And uh, of course, with, with all the characters in the novel, we had to amalgamate some of the characters, we had to change a few things around, but I think that's uh, natural enough. I've never adapted it novel before, but that seemed like the way the right way to go. Sure, that's it. There's such different mediums as well. Like I think once the, the heart of it is there, that's that's what you want to be kind of feeling it out. So tell me a little bit about the Cine4, um, the Cine4 funding scheme. So it's the BI Screen Ireland and TG Carter, yeah. And it's, it's you you you're not allowed uh, outsource any funding. It's a kind of set piece funding um is there much development within that did that account for a few of the drafts well yeah well um first of all to apply for it that they're they, they they were only looking for a treatment i think a 30 page treatment which we put together and um they narrowed down the the, the long list to a short list of five um ideas or treatments and then we were given something like four months to, to write a first draft. And they then subsequently chose two of the five for full production and all that. So there, there, there was a bit of time and space there to go from the initial treatment to the first draft. And then of course, um, there wasn't any particular pressure to, to hurry with, with the draft. So we spent a good year, I think, in the writing phase, bringing it up and doing the workshops and the, the rehearsals and all of that. So. And, full of praise for TG Cad, for BA and for Screen Ireland. And uh, they were fantastic in sport. And would they have a say over it then? Would you have to kind of clear drafts with them once you're going through the process? Do you do they come in early enough? They did come in early enough. Uh, they were given no they were we were given notes of course yeah. and uh Dervin Nikorin from TG Car was acting as a kind of an exec uh, producer role and, and she was she was brilliant. She was giving us a lot of support and helping us and giving really helpful su- suggestions. Um, it, it was fantastic. I mean, I'm a great believer in the organic process. I love giving the work out to people and getting their feedback and trying to consider whatever difficulties or problems or suggestions they might have and using that. And I just find that really, really helpful. And that probably accounts as well for the 15 traps that we had to get through. So the, the approach su- suited that, I guess. Okay, good. So you're not putting like I was like three different funders, and then I was like, "Are you gonna email it out and get three different versions of notes that you're like trying to amalgamate?" But actually, one exec producer is a lot nicer to, to go with, just in case there's anything. Yeah, she's like a, a corridor, a counselor. She was great, and uh, uh, Celine from Screen Ireland as well. I should mention Celine from Screen Ireland as well, which who was great and gave great notes too. So then, um, tell me about um your prep for the shoot. So. When you're putting it together, do you um, you were workshopping it a lot? Do you, did you get many days on, as part of the production? Did you do you kind of block everything out ahead of time? Do you storyboard? Do you let it be more free in the moment? How do you work? What's your process? Yeah, well, not having a huge amount of experience before that, uh, a lot of it was trial by error, perhaps. But um, the I background as a cameraman myself so I was pretty reasonably confident about the visuals say and the editing and a lot of the technical side what I really wanted to do was work with the actors and try and get great performances from them and help them achieve these these great performances so there was uh, 
there was at least a month, I think, of rehearsals slash um, workshops, uh, mainly with, with the three leads, Killian, uh, Donal and Fanula. And uh, yeah, we, we just broke down as many scenes as we could. Not, not every single scene, but certain pivotal scenes. And uh, I always felt when, when making some of my shorts, you, you write a script and you write dialogue and then you come to filming it. And normally you don't really have much time with the actors and you hear your lines for the first time, really, as you're shooting. And I've always felt, oh, I don't know, I, I, I could have phrased that better. And then I just thought, well, you know, wouldn't it make more sense to kind of work this out with the actors in question and uh, see how it sounds, see how it feels, see how they feel about it and try different things. And ultimately, I think if the more you discuss the character, the more you know about the character, the more you know about their histories and their dramatic needs and whatnot, and giving some ownership to the actors, I think that just ultimately makes it more real. And I have to say, that's what I found during this process. So if I get the opportunity again, I will definitely be looking to do even more. I have 25 drafts <laughs> of the script. They're magic. Sometimes they just bring something totally unexpected to it. And, and that's lovely to get that, like another perspective as well in it. It's collaborative, like, and it becomes bigger than it ever intended to be, which is fabulous. I can, I can understand the other approach as well, whereby the writer director might be very sure of what they want and, and that's fine too it's just not the way i'm built i i'm looking for an emotion or a, a magic moment and i think the best way to achieve that is to live a little dangerously and allow a little bit of freedom and uh, even during filming during the takes we would film what we had scripted at that point post rehearsals and workshops but if we had the time we would you know, allow the actors to ad lib and to come up with some different notes and tunes. Sure, sure they love that as well. They love this. They love this. emotional. Um, so tell me a little bit about how, again, the was there any, okay, so you move from that and from your prep into the shoot. Was there any um, issues with COVID? When, when did the shoot actually happen? Uh, the, the, the shoot happened November, December 2019, so just prior to COVID. <gasps> that is so, so we were lucky in that sense. Yeah. Um, but COVID did interrupt their editing. So COVID hit, I think, what was it, February, March. Um, we were, I'd say, about three quarters of the way through editing at that stage. Um, but we had, we had kept a few days back for further filming. So we actually filmed another three days in the summer of 2020. There was a little window where... Uh, productions were allowed to go ahead in 2020 and we just jumped on that and quite a number of scenes were improved I think and changed a little bit there so that's some that's some scope to look back as well it yeah. took that time to yeah yeah again I guess it's the approach the organic approach um it might sound like you don't know what you're after but you kind of do know you, you know what you're after when you see it and you just have to search for it, I think. And in a, an ideal world and no producer will ever allow me or anyone to do this, you'd film for 10 days, take a break, edit some stuff, come back. You do it in a linear fashion. Uh, but that's, of course, budget constraints don't allow us to do that. In an ideal world, I try to squeeze out of uh, Addy and the, the budget as much as we can in allowing uh, this organic approach. And actually, the 
it is so it's filmed in Connemara and a lot of it is very site specific do you know like it, it the, the, like the land in itself is as much of a character as as some of the other characters how difficult was it to find those locations or did you sort of have them in mind before you went into it um I'm from the area so I, you know I was always my own location scout um we we had a choice we could have Connemara's on the coast of course and you know there are loads of very pretty villages and locations that we could have shot in, and we looked at a few of those. But uh, Paddy Hayes, the producer, made a great point. You know, a lot of Irish films tend to be by the coast, and we thought it might be different and more interesting to go into the mountains and to have uh, the John character as a sheep farmer rather than, um, you know, dairy or cows or whatever, which you might have closer to the coast, say. So, I think that was a good decision because I, I think um, it looks kind of interesting and the landscapes and the, 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 the boglands and the stone kind of reflect the position the character finds himself in, I think. So I think it was a good fit. Yeah, it was nice. And it was it, it kind of, it was nice as well. You got the, how it impacted him and his relationship to it. It was, it was nice. It did definitely kind of thematically um, feel right. So I just wanted to say as well, the, the edit. So you, you had talked about that editing process. With that break, so you had to take a little bit of a break. Did it change the way you looked at it? Because you'd gone from essentially filming it then to doing an edit, three quarters of the way through an edit and a big break. Did that actually change the way that you saw anything or did that impact any of it? Yeah, I think it did, if I'm, in all honesty. Um, I think we became braver, you know, after having a bit of a break. And a lot of the, the challenge I found when editing was whether you're being too nuanced or whether you've been too direct with the story and the plot and finding that right tempo and space to tell the story. So having lived with it for, for uh, you know, I think we had a, about a month of a break um, having lived with it during that period, I think we became a little more, um, I would, experimental is probably the wrong phrase, but a little braver in some of the editing decisions and some of the structure. So I think that was great. And we were lucky in a sense that we were afforded that opportunity. And the score as well plays a, a big part of that. Can you tell me a bit about the score and the sound mix? Yeah, I can, of course. Um, the composer is... Uh, from Iceland. His name is Sindri Mar Sigfusen. I hope I'm saying that, saying that correctly. Um, he's a bit of a, a pop star in Iceland. He goes by uh, Sinfang. Um, and I'm we, thinking now about lamb, another sheep farming thing that just came out of yeah, that just yeah, came out of Iceland. There's a lot of there's a lot of linked themes there, so it probably probably resonated deeply with him. Well. It did. He actually said, well, he, he, because of COVID, he couldn't come. His in, initial intention was to spend a couple of days in the house that, you know, that forms part of the story and kind of feel it, I guess. But he couldn't because of COVID. We were in the midst of it, the worst of it. So, um, but he obviously saw the visuals and that. He said, this is Iceland as well. You know, this is basically the same thing, <laughs> he, he thought. And uh, he had a brilliant sensibility. And um, the themes of isolation and the rugged landscape. Yeah. Like it's all, it's all, it's all there. Like, so I'm sure, yeah, that he really, he could totally get it. And um, Iceland is probably, you know, in terms of scenery and what, it's probably Ireland 
turned up, dialed up to 11, I'd imagine. I haven't been there. But uh, yeah, he, he was able to connect with it. And we liked the idea of just having, you know, a, a different, someone from a different nationality, perhaps just adding a different layer. And I, I think that worked really, really well with Sindri. And he was a pleasure to work with. And all of the ins kind of incidental music, there's a lot of music on the radio and whatnot, or some of his, you know, hits uh, we heard there. So they were really good and they're really cool and nice and fantastic. So he... Oh, yeah, because the dancing ones, like, where they're, you know, yeah. they're enjoying themselves. I was like, oh, that's some, that's some, that's some hard tune. Yeah, there, there were some of his outtakes from a few of his albums, I think. And, uh, yeah, he donated those to the Fosca cause. <laughs> very was believable nice. as, as, like, you know, party music, like, just between these two lads. So I liked, I enjoyed that. Um, and I just wanted to go again about what's your process like working with somebody getting them in as a composer like would he have read the script come on board said I, I like this this is my ideas do you work with him like what like especially when it's remote would he send mm. you files and go how do you feel about this for this and would you try editing or would you just go this is what I like to him well we um we we lay down a temp track and um and we used um there's a Lynn Ramsey film called Used to um, not Used to Live Here. Um, I use I used to live here, is it? Um, and uh, Johnny Green was a composer. Anyway, so we we kind of used a lot of temp from from that film and added it down and um, used it as a, a very rough guide. But to be honest, what I find with all of the heads of department and the actors and everything is, I just try to best explain what I was after and more so the emotions and the motivations of the story and um yeah he would he would put some ideas together and he had a load of stuff that he would send on and he he asked me to list them and see what I was connecting with um and I I would and um files would be going back and forth across the Atlantic I guess and uh, we'd be adding them on and fine-tuning really towards the end and by the time the mix came it just seemed to gel really really nicely Again, I think if I was afforded another six months, six years or 60 years, I would probably be still tinkering. But um, it, it worked really, really well. He was a brilliant collaborator, I'll say. Should they always say that? The project is never completed. You just run out of money or an abandoned. <laughs> or and or. So that's that's the, the nature of the piece. Um, just So coming to the end of that edit, is there anything that you, if you had unlimited time and money and the producer was like, actually, I found another couple of grand there in the back pocket is there any kind of darlings you had to kill to get it down for a time or is there any changes that unlimited funds would have done to the story or the project yeah yeah that's a brilliant question yeah I at times I think I think of actually I think in terms of sequences and shots frequently you know when we didn't have time to finish certain stuff off and and whatnot um, I would have loved to have stayed with the John character for for a slightly longer third act. You know that would have been interesting. Um, I can't really say what happens because it might be a spoiler, but um, some interesting things happened to him in the third act, and it would have been nice to have another five to ten minutes screen time to stay with him for it. So I know that's kind of a vague answer, but that's that would have been nice. 
the sequel, <laughs> like you know, him making it <laughs> in Paris, <laughs> maybe <laughs> starting a career in a magazine. Um, yeah, that could happen. <laughs> but uh, I'm just it's like Emily in Paris. <laughs> you know, <what> <laughs> um, and then sort of when you when you get a cut, just just out of curiosity with um, mm. this scheme, when you get a cut, do you go, oh, I'm really happy here. I've locked it off. I'm going to send it to the um, I'm going to send it to TG Carr. I'm going to get the feedback. Um, and, and do you both have to kind of agree stuff? Is there is there still negotiations at that stage? There weren't a huge amount of negotiations, I'd say. Um, they they were hands off in a, in a healthy way. I think they gave fantastic notes, but I think we took on board the notes. So there was never any acrimonious arguments or anything like that. You know, we we all understood where it was going and they seemed to like what they were seeing. And um, once notes came in, we would interrogate the notes. We would discuss them. We would see where they're possible. When they were possible, we'd certainly try them, have a look at them. Uh, if we felt it wasn't working or if it wasn't possible to do the footage we had, for example, um, I'd, I'd put together some detailed notes about that. And um, it, it worked like a charm, to be honest. You know, it was it was a great partnership. Uh, I don't know if I'm lucky or um, or if if I was to give, afforded this opportunity again, would I have it as easy? But um, I feel as long as everyone respects everyone's role and genuinely takes on board the notes, um, theoretically, it should improve the film. And we all want that, don't we? And um, as well, it premiered in Galway. That was its yes. premiere, wasn't it, in the, the FLA this year? I'm just wondering, is it nice to get to premiere it in its home county? Did you get much feedback or anything like that from the, the, the locals? <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, it's a real space, uh, safe space for me, you know, to, to play it at the FLA. And um... Mommy and Granny will be like, Auntie <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Susan. <laughs> Well, it's probably more difficult to show my elderly parents, I think, and aunts and uncles <laughs> to see, you know, and if you know the film, you know why. <laughs> uh, in fact, I, we were mixing the film in Dublin and uh, the sound mixer said to me, he just stopped and he just turned to me and said, have you shown your mom this film yet? <laughs> you know, that was his, <laughs> his, but she'd read the script, so I think she knew what was coming. It was, it was a brilliant safe space in, in Galway, I would say, and everyone was on board and uh, it is a very Galway film. A lot of the cast are from Galway, directors from Galway. Paddy Hayes is basically a Galway region at this stage. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it was lovely. And, uh, um, of course, we could bring in a nice large crowd as well in to see it. Uh, we were still kind of sorted in COVID, uh, so it was screened outside, uh, which was not a different experience, actually. You had to wear headphones and and that and Donald Ryan came and he was delighted with it and uh, I, I wouldn't change it uh, for the world to be honest it might have been nice to have played in, in Berlin or Cannes or something like that but um, I think all it was was a pretty special and it'll definitely be memorable of its time you know like watching the film outside like that's kind of yeah. the only year that would that is, I wonder if they'll keep it on if the weather's nice, maybe. But it's well, kind of... Galway rarely gets nice weather, so we just really lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I lived there for a year, and I don't think I straightened my hair once because I was like, oh, no point. <laughs> no point. <laughs> my car rusted when I was down there. <laughs> uh, 
um so it was just it like it was it was a very powerful film um and it like and again very very poignant did you so did anyone reach out after like after its festival screening and and go this meant a lot or like have you gotten any feedback from viewers yet i know yeah. the release is uh friday the 11th yeah um yeah 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 different people react differently to it of course I react differently to it each time I see it myself uh the main feedback is that it's a very emotional film um challenging actually there was there was a lot of tension there where I was I found myself going oh yeah times you know I think that's good I think Uh, I suppose if you're moved in any way it's 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 a good thing um most most people ask me um is John you know on some form of spectrum was he neurodiverse or what and I often have to feel that question and I often say well he's a product of his environment I think more so than anything and finding that space was took some time hence the rehearsals and all of that a lot of people have cried um I, I got a, an email from a colleague at the university today and he said he was crying uh, at the end uh, it resonates with women, women and men I feel um with I, I guess could I guess you could argue that it's kind of a rural film, so it's interesting to um, compare city audiences with um, rural audiences. I showed it last week to um, three different audiences in Connemara, and they uh, they responded really well to, to the film. Um, they would have seen a lot of, in terms of language. They would have seen a lot of the nuances and a lot of the jokes and, and whatnot. So I suppose there's been a wide variety. Of, of, of reactions I'm sure there are a lot of people who don't like it or are too nice to say anything but um those people aren't too nice <laughs> when people have, maybe. <laughs> don't like things they have no problem telling you don't worry all right okay well, maybe <laughs> <On Twitter>. so. <laughs> Not, nothing nothing too negative so far and I hope the reviews are reasonable as well I'm sure it will be because again like it, it kind of packs a punch I think the the themes of isolation as well are very timely considering we're you know we're coming at the tail end of an of a and and again about the impact of that isolation and and how how much it has taken from somebody as well is this kind of yeah. scarily on point for a project that started so long ago and with the shot yeah well, well there you go I guess that's yeah that's the way it turned out um but I I I, I often I tell tell people I know a lot of people like like John um just who don't have the skills the social skills to 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 put themselves out there and my goodness it must be terrible existence um being stuck in a in a house on a farm that is actually worth quite a lot of money but you know money doesn't buy happiness does it no but for the price of a cinema ticket, you can certainly buy entertainment. So uh, it's available in um, cinemas on the 11th of March. Perfect. Thank you so much for chatting with us. It was gorgeous. Thank you so much. That was really enjoyable. Thank you.